right. Good morning, everyone. My name is Whitney Klinky. I am one of the teaching pastors here at Connect. And um, before I get started, I want to acknowledge something probably all of us noticed as we walk into the door. If this is your first time here, we normally don't serve cake at 10.30 in the morning. But there is a special reason we are doing that today is because our lead pastor, Dave, he graduated with his master's yesterday. He graduated with his Master's of Arts in Christian Ministry. So he has been working tirelessly, you guys. And he does it so effortlessly. Um, He's constantly reading and writing papers and studying. And we are just so thankful for his leadership and all the hard work he does behind the scenes. So we want to acknowledge him and congratulate him on graduating with Master's. So thank you. Uh, thank you for all you do. Let's just say that. And there'll be cake when you guys leave here today. So make sure your kiddos enjoy some and you enjoy some as well. So um, first service, he actually came up and we put a cap and gown on him because he didn't know we were doing any of this. And Dove, Dave loves a good surprise. So um, And he was able to throw his cap up in the air, which is something he wanted to do he didn't get to do yesterday. So we, we made his dreams come true. So... Congratulations, Dave. You deserve it. Um, Like I said, my name is Whitney Klinky. I am one of the teaching pastors here at Connect. And if this is your first time, we want to welcome you. We are so glad you're here with us. And maybe this is your first time watching online. Thank you for tuning in. I am ever so lucky. I get to close out on our series of signs. So if this is your first time, I don't want you to think, oh my goodness, I'm here for the first time and I'm coming at the very end of a series. You will be able to jump in just like normal, like it was the first message. So I don't want you to think you are behind in any way. And then you can go back and and watch the rest of the messages on our website. But in this series of signs, over the past several weeks, we have been journeying with John as John has journeyed with Jesus. And we've kind of been along for the ride with him. And Dave mentioned the very first message of the series that the word believe, the word believe appears 98 times in the book of John. So it's basically the central theme of John's book, believing, belief. And I believe there is two ways that we come to believe things. The first thing is we believe based off evidence. We see something, we hear something, we witness something, we experience something. So in turn, we believe because of that. So we believe based off evidence. The second thing is we believe on the confidence in the person delivering the information. So we trust that person, we know that person, so we know them um, that what they would tell us is true. So I'm pretty sure most of us took a math class growing up. And when our math teacher says, okay, eight times eight is 64, we don't say, okay, before I believe that, I wanna count eight things eight separate times. And then I'll let you know if I believe that or not. No, we trust our math teacher. We know that she knows what she's talking about. One, because she's a math teacher. So we say, okay, great. I believe what you're telling me is true, that eight times eight equals 64. So we believe based on evidence, and we believe on the confidence in the person delivering the message. So growing up, I went to a Methodist church, and I did the confirmation and all of that. And I grew up believing in God because I was told to believe in God. I grew up and my Sunday school teacher said, you just gotta have faith. 
you, you gotta believe in God. The Bible tells us to believe in God, so you need to. So that's pretty much how I grew up. And it's probably a lot of you here too. You grew up with a parent, a grandparent, a Sunday school teacher saying, you just gotta have faith, you gotta believe. So then you did. But the problem with that is several, maybe college students, young adults, when they are making their own decision, they easily get talked out of Christianity. They easily get talked out of Christianity because they were never talked into it in the first place. So it was easily talked out because they were never talked into it in the first place. They were just told to believe and that was it. But I guarantee if John was sitting up here today, this is what he would say. John would say, listen, I didn't follow Jesus because of faith. That is not why I followed Jesus. I followed Jesus because of what I heard and I followed Jesus because of what I saw. That is why I followed Jesus. And in the gospel of John, John doesn't wanna just tell us all the things that happened, although he did, but he wants to tell us why these things happened. So in John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, John says this. He says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples. And I love how he uses the word signs. He doesn't use the word miracles. He uses the word signs. And what we know of signs is signs point us to something. They point us to a direction, to a place, to a person. So John is trying to point us to something. Jesus is trying to point us to himself. And then he says, which are not recorded in this book. And I think another thing, it's hard for us to wrap our heads around. When John was writing down all the things he saw, all the things he heard, he was writing a document. He wasn't writing the Bible. He didn't know there was going to be a Bible. He never knew there was gonna be a Bible. He was just writing these down to document what he experienced. So John can't use the phrase, well, the Bible told me so. He didn't know this was gonna be a Bible. And this is why, this is why he tells us these things. In verse 31, John says this, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And that's the why right there. So you would have life in his name. So like I said, I get to close out this awesome series. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. And I get to talk about um, one of the last signs we haven't talked about here on a Sunday. And I'm gonna be diving into John chapter five. And if you're looking at a Bible, there is a heading right before John chapter five and it says the healing at the pool. The healing at the pool. So we're gonna do a little Bible reading. So in verse one, it says this. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, Jesus was a Jew, and many scholars think he was going to the festival of tabernacle. So he was going to a Jewish festival. And it says, now they're in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. So Bethesda, in Hebrew, that means house of mercy, so if we want to picture this, so there's this big pool, and over here is a sheep gate, okay? So the shepherds would to bring their sheep and their animals through the sheep gate, and on one side of the pool, the animals would get washed. On the other side of the pool, people used to be. And surrounding this pool was five covered colonnades, so five tall covered porches. And it says, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, 
It says a great number. In some versions, it also says a multitude of people. And it skips verse four, and I'll come back to that. But in verse five, it says this. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. And this is what religion says. And Dave talked about this a little bit last week, but religion um, loses sight of the miracle. Religion doesn't care about the miracle that's in front front of them. They look at laws, what you can and cannot do and what you shouldn't be doing. So the religious leaders saw this man walking. They knew he'd been an invalid for several years and they saw this man healed and walking, but they didn't look at that. They looked at the man carrying his mat, which he shouldn't have been doing during the Sabbath. So they were like, you should not be doing that. Why are you doing this? Is the Sabbath? And this is what the invalid said. The man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. The guy's like, listen, the guy told me to walk and I walked. That's why I'm doing this. So now they're thinking, okay, so someone else was working on the Sabbath. Who is that man? We need to know. Again, not caring about the miracle, losing sight of the miracle. They're looking at what was wrong. So the man, um, the man who was healed had no idea who it was. For Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who made him well. So going back to verse four, um, many newer manuscripts omitted verse four. So they took out verse four, but they do keep a note of what verse four says at the bottom because a legend at the time says this in verse four, from time to time, an angel of the Lord would come down and stir up the waters. Their first one into the pool after each such disturbance would be cured of whatever they had. So basically, people who were disabled would try to come to this pool and the minute the water was stirred up, the first person to touch the waters would be cured. That was the legend at the time. So it says a lot of people, a multitude of people would wait at this pool day in and day out to try to be the first one to touch this water so they would be cured. A multitude of people. And don't we just, can't we just picture this? Don't we just know that misery loves company? Misery loves company. And we tend to attract people just like us. Do I have any dog lovers in the room? Okay, like two, great. Um, any cat lovers? Okay, that's shocking. Okay, um, so we kind of hang out with the dog lovers and the cat lovers, right? We tend to hang out with people that have the same morals as us, the same views as us. If we are for something, we try to hang out with people that are for the same thing, right? Same thing if we're against something, We try to gather and hang out with people that are against the same things. All the conservatives hang out. All the progressives hang out. We tend to hang out with people that are like-minded. I mean, look at social media. It is all around it. We congregate around our issues. If they have something they want to complain about, if people have something they want to complain about, they'll gather 25 of their closest friends and do it with. They're not going to do it alone. 
And sooner or later, you have talked about your issue so much that you don't even know who you are anymore. You don't even know your identity anymore because you identify with that issue. And I know it's none of you here. I know no one has issues here. I'm talking about the nine o'clock service, full of issues, let me tell you. But um, I guarantee you, if you asked a spouse, a friend sitting next to you, if you have any issues, I bet they can name a few. Um, but you eventually don't have an identity anymore. You identity, your identity is what they did to you, how they treated you, what they said to you, your background, how you were raised. And I am telling you, you will never change what you're willing to tolerate. You will never change what you're willing to tolerate. Many people come to church on a Sunday and they have zero intention of changing. No intention of changing. And people with issues would rather be accepted, affirmed than changed. They say, it's just, it, it's who I am. It, it is what it is. And the Bible is full of those people. You look at the Samaritan woman in John chapter four. We don't know her name, but we know she has five husbands. The woman caught in adultery in John 8, we never learn her name, but we know exactly what she was doing. The man born blind in John 9, the leper in Mark 1, we never know their names, but we know all of their issues. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering if we have been so defined by our issues, we don't even remember that we are the son and the daughter of the king of kings. But I'm telling you, Jesus has come to look for the one. Just like he did at the pool of Bethesda, he came to look for their one. Because there's always a great number of people, a multitude of people that will hang around in their issues. But there's normally one that wants to get healed, that truly wants to be changed. And here's what Jesus didn't do. He didn't go up to the man on the mat and just say, oh my, my gosh, you poor little thing. Can I just lay with you and you can just tell me all your issues and what's wrong and I'm just going to listen and then we'll tell other people and we'll just lay together here. And you know what? And then we can get on Twitter and make a hashtag about it and then tell everybody else about your issues. He didn't do that. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus of the Bible walked up to the man who lay there for 38 years and said, hey, do you want to get well? He didn't say, do you want to feel better? You can come to church every single Sunday and feel better, but truly never get changed. You can come for comfort, you can come for comfort, but leave unchanged. The pool of Bethesda was full of those people. They were surrounded with other people with, with similar disabilities, and they felt normal in their own dysfunction. You will never change what you're willing to tolerate. This was his life. He didn't know any different. He laid on that mat for 38 years, day in, day out, probably just looking at the sky, thinking, this is my life. It is what it is. 38 years, let's wrap our heads around that. So 38 years ago, this is what happened 38 years ago. The White Sox and the Brewers had the longest game in MLB history. It went down for 25 innings. And you know what? I don't mind baseball, but nine innings is a long baseball game. And most of you guys know they stopped serving the good drinks at the seventh inning. So that's a really, really long game. Wendy's, they aired their Where's the Beef commercial. The game Tetris, most of us know about the game Tetris, that came out in 1984. Footloose hit the theaters. 
Alex Trebek started hosting Jeopardy. The first Ghostbusters movie came out and the very first MTV Music Awards aired. That is what happened 38 years ago. That seems like like forever ago. And that was this man's life laying on the mat. But eventually he had to stop with the excuses. And isn't it crazy how the presence of an unlimited God, we can still stay stuck. When we are in the presence of an unlimited God, we can still stay stuck. So Jesus asked the man, do you want to get healed? And and the man didn't say, oh my gosh, yes, yes, I do. I'm so glad you're here. I've been praying. I've been waiting. I'm so glad. Yes, yes, I want to get healed. He didn't say that. He didn't even answer. Instead, he gave excuses. He said, I have no one. I have no one to help me. No one to help me in the pool. Anytime, if I would even try, someone would want to get in before me. I have no one. He talked about everybody else. He gave excuse after excuse. And the thing is, everything that the man said, everything that the invalid said was true. It was facts. He couldn't do it by himself. And, and people wanted to get to the water first, so no one was going to help him. All the things he was saying was true. But faith has the ability to override those facts. And he didn't realize that. He kept talking about everyone else, what everyone else wasn't doing, and gave excuse after excuse. And Jesus walks up to the man, and the invalid keeps telling him why he can't get to the water, why he can't get to the pool why he can't go to the water to get healed. But little did he know, he didn't need to get to the water. Jesus came to him, who is the living water. Jesus is the water that he needed. He didn't need to get to that pool. Jesus came up to him. And breakthrough begins where our excuses end. Jesus stepped right over those excuses and gave a command. He said, take up your mat and walk. Take up your mat and walk, but you're going to need to embrace the pain because it's going to hurt a little bit. The man laid on the mat for 38 years. It was going to hurt getting up. I hurt getting up sometimes. As we get older, things hurt, right? We just got back from Disney, my family and I, and for those of you who love Disney, we can all hang out together. Everybody else who doesn't, I will not hang out with you. I'm kidding. But um, I, I'm a Disney lover. But it's a lot of walking. So for those of you who've been, you know it's walking and walking and walking and standing in lines. And that's what it is all day. So every night I would go to bed just hurting. My body was just aching. And then I'd get up out of bed the next day and I was hurting But I embraced the pain because I love Disney. But we got home a couple days ago and I I slept for like 12 hours straight because my body needed to recuperate. But we need to embrace the pain. And we need to ask ourselves, do we want to accept the responsibility that comes with getting healed? Becoming whole, becoming well. And yes, it would be much easier to lay on that mat and remain a victim for the rest of our life. But there is a responsibility to becoming whole. We know that with great power comes great responsibility. And if we're going to have that power of Jesus Christ inside of us, there's going to come a cost. There's going to be a cost. So we just got done with Wednesday night groups, our connect groups. If you guys have not joined a connect group 
please come talk to me. These groups are life-changing. They really, really are. We, we met for 10 weeks at a time, and every Wednesday night, we would come, and we would have a meal together. We would have dinner together, and we would meet people we didn't know. We would form relationships, and there was one girl I met from the very first Wednesday night, the very first Wednesday night, and we just started talking, and we just started this friendship. We became friends, and weeks later, she invited me to her wedding, Those are the relationships that happen, and I will be a friend for her for a lifetime. This is what happens at a Wednesday night group, but my husband and I, we then we we go off to our classes, and my husband and I, we led winning the war in your mind. So we led a small group, and we knew doing this class would come a cost. There would be a cost to this class. So we we got down, we we, week one, week two, we we learned about each other. You know, where'd you grow up? Were you raised in a church? Tell me about your family. How did you come to connect? But there came a time where we needed to start being real, start being vulnerable. And with this class, we had to talk about our strongholds. What has been chaining us down for so long? What lies have we believed for so long that looks a lot like truth? And some of our stories were, Anxiety and depression and and panic attacks. Others were anger. Others were the stronghold of trust issues. Some were so connected to their past, they were chained, they could not move forward to the future. I mean, we talked about some real stuff. And not only that, but it was hard because we had to put it in front for everybody to see and give it a name. And that was hard. And you had to be vulnerable. And, and not only that, we then had to take action on it. Okay, so now that we know what we're dealing with, how, how can we help you? How can we pray for you? How is that going? We had to take action on it. But it was hard. And a lot of us, we think that um, we can come to church, but, but God can only deal with our presentable parts of our life. God can only help with the things that are, are kind of pretty. But breakthrough happens when we are willing to expose that thing. Breakthrough happens when we're willing to expose that place that that we don't want people to see. So what is that mat? What is that mat that you've been lying on for so long? Is it the mat of shame? The mat of guilt? Fear? The mat of addiction? The mat of gossip? Anger? Maybe it's something that you're, you're dealing with physically that you feel like is just holding you down. But we need to embrace the pain. And God is saying here this morning, the thing that has been carrying you for so long, I need you to pick it up and I need you to carry it. And this is where breakthrough begins. Could it be, could it be that when we are lying on our mat, we are waiting for God to come down? when he's waiting for us to get up. So Jesus is asking us, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made whole? And that's what it means is is accepting Jesus and living the life that he has for us. Do you want to be made whole? Because what he did for us is so much greater than what they did to us, what we're dealing with, what happened to us. God has something so much bigger for us And he's already done it, but he wants to make us hold. And you and I are living in this this victim mentality. 
this culture that says you stay on that mat, you poor little thing. It's okay. It's everybody else's fault. It's not yours. You just stay there and lay there. But Jesus is saying, listen, we live in a broken and fallen world. I know that. But I've overcome it. So pick up your mat and walk. Because you can walk in freedom. And here's the thing that we really learned the, at the, our class in winning the war is um, the enemy is crafty. Let's just say that. The things that the enemy tells us look a lot like truth. But they're lies. And he wants us to stay on that mat forever. Because the problem is the minute we get off the mat is the minute we influence everybody else to get off their mat as well. And the enemy doesn't want that. He wants us to live on the mat But God wants us to live in freedom and grow in the fruit that he has for us. I want to go back to verse 14 really quick because I think this is really important and it can be easily overlooked. In verse 14, it says this. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. And the reason I want to go back to that is because this man wasn't able to walk. This man laid on the mat for 38 years, and Jesus found him in the temple walking. And he says, hey, you're here. You're well again. This man has probably never been in the temple because of what was wrong with him. And this is what healing does. Healing gives you access to places that you have never been before. Healing exposes you to places you have never been before. Healing exposes you to people that you have never been here, been that you've never met before, excuse me. And God wants to heal our hearts because he's already overcome this dark world. He wants to heal our hearts and have, so we can have hope in him. That's what God wants to do. But it's your choice. Do we want to continue to live on this mat for so long? Or do we truly want to live, uh, live in the freedom and the fullness that God has for us? It is our choice. So what is that thing that's been carrying you? That you feel like it has just has you in chains. What is that? Because we got to give it a name and we got to expose it. And here's the thing. If, you, if you're sitting there thinking, you know what? I, I like my life. I don't want to change anything. Everything's fine. I like my view from the mat. That, that's okay. But can I encourage you or maybe urge you to do it for the next generation? And the generation after that. I have kids that I want to get up off my mat for. My husband and I have kids that we want to get off our mat for. And I made a promise a long time ago to God that divorce stops with me, that addiction stops with me, that anger stops with me. And I'm telling you, you do not have to live on the mat for the rest of your life because true healing comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. So as we have journeyed with John through this this series, we have seen the evidence and we've heard the evidence that, that John tells us.
But I hope that maybe we just, we don't tell the next generation just to believe or the Bible tells us so, so or you gotta have faith. Let's show them. Let's show them what that means. Let's show them the evidence of God's mercy, of God's grace, of God's goodness, of God's love. Let's show them. And I wanna read the last verse here to wrap up really this series of signs. And this is what John said in the very last sentence. He says this, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. John just tipped the iceberg of what he saw of Jesus. And he's giving us evidence so that we have life and life in his name. So if we truly want breakthrough here this morning, we gotta get up, we, take, we gotta take up our mat and we gotta walk, we gotta take action. We gotta just get rid of the excuses and embrace the pain and live the life that God has for us. So God is asking us here this morning, do you want to get healed? Because Jesus can do that. And Jesus has such a good life for you and he wants you to live in the fullness in his hope. We're gonna close out on this song here and this song has meant so many different things to so many different people and it's really just a blessing over, over everyone here this morning of just breakthrough happens in Jesus' name. And Jesus is the answer to, to just living a life and, and his hope and, and his love. So as, as Whitney sings this, I hope that it stirs you to, to figure out what mat you've been laying on for so long and just give it to Jesus. Breakthrough would 
Lord, I thank you for your presence here this morning. Lord, I thank you for just speaking through me and and hopefully landing on hearts here this morning. Lord, I pray for for breakthrough for everybody in this room and and everybody watching for for what they're dealing with, their their strongholds, the things that they've been um, chained down to for so long, Lord. I pray that they look to you, Lord, because the name of Jesus can conquer everything, Lord. I love you so much and we pray this in your holy name. Amen.